It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the inspired team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're glad to have you with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard, your host and financial advisor, alongside my colleagues and fellow advisors, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Yeah, today's show should have something for everyone. We're officially halfway through 2016, so today... We're going to be hitting our halftime report for the stock market and the investment world. And, of course, we'll cover what's been driving the stock market so far this year. But what everyone wants to know is what to expect for the rest of the year. So we'll be discussing some possible factors and what you should be doing with your investments as we move closer to the end of the year. As always, we'd love to hear from you and answer your comments or questions. We had an avid listener call in this week with a comment about the previous show. We're going to get to that later on. Go to wisemoneyradio.com to get more information on the show and submit a question and even listen to previous episodes. Or you can give us a call, 574-222-2000. Okay, so often financial advisors are only thought of as investment advisors, and many of them, that's all they do. They just manage investments. However, at Coron Finance Group and here on Wise Money, we know investing is a very important part of someone's overall financial plan, but it's not the only part. It's just a piece of the pie. You guys know there are six areas to everyone's financial life, your present financial position, protection planning, tax planning, investment planning, retirement planning, and estate planning. So investment planning is part of it, but it usually gets a disproportionate amount of attention. Not here on Wise Money. We've hit it a few times, but we also talk about the other issues. Today, however, we are going to be talking about investments. We're halfway through the year. We want to break down, all right, what's happened so far? What do we expect for the next half? And then really, what should you be doing about it? You know, I, I think the stock market is a great place to start anytime you're talking about investments in general, even though that's only one type of investment that you would have in your portfolio. I bet 90% plus of our listeners if they have any money invested at all, they've got at least something in the stock market, whether that's directly or indirectly. They might not even realize how much money they have tied to the stock market. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I think it's important for us to unpack what do we mean by the stock market when we start throwing around numbers about how this and that have performed. Why does it matter to you, right? Yep. You know, what, what does it have to do with your portfolio? And if we can start to create a little bit of context for... Um, you know, what's been going on in the investment world in general, and we'll, you know, start specifically with the stock market, then hopefully it can help you understand what's been affecting your portfolio and how you should be responding to it. You know, anytime uh, financial advisors start talking about the stock market, we uh, often fight an uphill battle. Uh, Many people refer to the Dow Jones industrial average. Right, the Dow. And I, I hate the fact that the media presents how the Dow has done every single evening. Yeah, way to go, Casey. <laughs> Bl- blame it on Casey and all his cronies there. <laughs> you know, the, the Dow is only 30 individual stocks here in the United States, and it hardly represents the entire stock market, which has literally thousands of stocks in it. Yep. 
And so we prefer that people pay attention to how the S&P 500 or the Standard & Poor's 500 is doing because it's at least the top 500 companies, which still isn't the whole stock market, but they represent so much of the value of the stock market that it's just a better indicator. And, you know, so far this year, the S&P 500 is actually positive. If we look as of the halfway point of the year, it's up 3.8% in total return. So that's how much did the stock price grow uh, for this basket of stocks and also how much did they kick off in profits or dividends. Yep. So, uh, you know, there's two others that I would uh, just point out to people. The Russell 2000 is what we focus on when we're looking at how did small size U.S. stocks do. Those are up 2.2% on the year at the halfway point. But then you've got to pay attention to international stocks as well. We pay attention to an index called the EFE index, which is an acronym. E-A-F-E stands for Europe, Australia, and the Far East. So it's trying to represent the large uh, economies around the globe and what's going on in those stock markets. Not doing so well. Yep. Down 4 plus percent. So far this year through 630 through June that's right 30. yeah that's right so okay well that's good stuff so people know exactly what to expect when they open their statements if you haven't already or checked it out online but let's shift to the economic factors that actually drove those returns for the first half of the year yeah i think one of the things is we started off the year in some sort of spasm or convulsion and that's because of what the fed did in 2015 and we're going to, this is as close as we're going to come to an investment show. We're going to try and be jargon free. But a lot of times people say, what the Fed? What is the, what is the Fed? What and, the Fed? What, <laughs> yeah, and what does the Fed do? Why, yeah. And why do I care about the Fed? And, what, and, and when we talk about interest rates, what does that interest rate mean to me? So really it's the Fed funds rate, which is the interest rate, which depository institutions, so think a bank or credit union, first source or TCU, they lend reserve balances, which are maintained at the Federal Reserve, to other depository institutions overnight on an uncollateralized basis. So I have just violated all the jargon rules. But basically, (laughs) uh, financial institutions have money at the Fed. They lend it to each other overnight. And the Fed sets the rate at which they're able to charge each other for those deposits. And that rate then kind of spirals through the other interest rates, you know, your mortgage rate or your rate at your savings account on your uh, on your savings account at the bank. That's right. Yeah. So right. it trickles so, through. So, they, so the Fed said, hey, we're going to start tightening. And they did in December of 2015. And that sent ripples through the stock market. So the first 10 days that the stock market was open in 2016, uh, the market went down 10 plus percent, and it caused everyone to be very concerned. They said, see, I knew this was going to happen because of what the Fed is doing with interest rates. Well, and, and even what the Fed might do, it was really a cloud over, okay, the economy is not as strong as people thought, at least at the beginning of the year. We've got issues in China. We've got issues with oil. Is the government just <laughs> going to raise interest rates and slow things down more? And that sent the stock market going straight down to start the year. Well, and the Fed, you know, every year at the beginning of the year, they promote or they publish exactly what their intentions are for the year. And they were and still are displaying the idea that they're going to keep on ratcheting interest rates higher. Meanwhile, as you say, investors are all scratching their heads saying, why in the world would you be raising interest rates so aggressively? We've got such a weak economy going right now. Yep. This is the slowest recovery in the history of stock market rebounds, Yep. right? 
it's been going long. We're 84 months into a recovery in this economy. And the average, usually we're only rebounding for about 46 months. So this is getting pretty long in the tooth. Yep. So why would the Fed start raising interest rates and maybe send us into that recession that everyone's worried about? Right. And to your point, Josh, historically, when the Fed starts tightening, they're going to raise rates about two and a half percent in the span of a year. And when you look at what they're projecting, they're actually projecting much less. And even though they state their intentions at the beginning of the year, they can kind of do whatever they want. And I think, well, so what does that mean to me if I'm listening today? What is the Fed funds rate, this or that other thing? I say, I don't know that that that's kind of technical again. That's that's jargon. That's what uh, investors on uh, Wall Street and the big money places care about. So what should you care about? And I say, well, care about what the 10 year Treasury note is. So you think about that and you go back to September 30th of 1981. The 10-year Treasury note peaked at 15.84%. As of June 30th of this year, it's at 1.49%. And you might not have caught this, but Kevin just pointed out a huge opportunity for anyone out there who has a mortgage, who hasn't refinanced recently. Um, you know, I know that we're talking about investments today, but I, we have to mention the fact that interest rates are crazy low again on mortgages. So if you've been wondering whether or not refinancing makes sense, now is the time to pay attention. Right. And so you're paying attention. If you're a borrower, Joshua is talking to the borrowers. And the, the flip side of that coin is what if I'm a lender? What if I said, hey, I'm going to reach my goals by saving? If you, and I did a little research on the Internet. Uh, just went to some local institutions. A five-year IRA CD right now will get you 93 basis points. So 100 basis points makes up one percentage. So a five-year money is about one percent for FDIC insured per year. That is that is humiliatingly low. Yeah, about the only thing you're insuring is that it's unlikely you'll reach your goals. So interest rates have definitely driven the, driven the stock market so far this year. Also, Brexit. We're going to talk about Brexit here in just a moment on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. We're so glad to have you with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name's Mike. I've got Josh and Kevin with me in the studio. Quick special thanks to Ledoux, Kern, and Keene and First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. Speaking of that content, we're talking about the stock market today, the rest of the investment world and all of that, how it's, befa- how it's behaved the first half of the year and what's driven that. And coming up, we're going to talk about, well, what should we expect moving forward? Okay, we left off on the Fed creating some tremors to start the year. Are they going to raise rates? Are they not? Stock market went straight down thinking they might. All right, that's the beginning of the, the, the year. Come midpoint of the year, what was driving all the headlines was Brexit. Okay, we had the, what did I call it here? The crash that never was. <laughs> so the vote came out, and Friday, it, the stock market went straight down. The following Monday went straight down again. A week later, it was completely back up. You know, Dave Ramsey actually said that Friday. He said, in a month, no one's even going to remember this. I thought he was crazy, because this has some pretty big political issues as well. A little crazy. Yeah. 
But sure enough, the market just shrugged it off. I mean, nothing changed from when the vote was announced. Oh my goodness, we don't know anything. It's so uncertain. Pushed the stock market down really sharply. And then within two weeks, the stock market was back up. And now we're into the second half of the year and it has touched new highs for the year. So it's really shrugged this thing off. But Brexit and what happens moving forward is really going to create, I think it will come back on the radar screen in here in the U.S. It may come back on in waves even, yeah. you know, as they start figuring out more and more of reevaluating and renegotiating some of the trade deals and things like that. I mean, they basically had to go rebuild Europe now that uh, they've plucked the Euro- or the uh, United Kingdom out of the, the Eurozone. Right. I'd, sh- I'd shared there were three big questions that remained, and one of them was, was this going to create panic? And it doesn't look like it has. But two, how will they be able to redraw trade agreements and all of that stuff for free-flowing uh, commerce? And that question still remains. And then the other big unknown is are other countries going to be leaving the EU and we don't know. That's right. That's right. You know, one of the other things that we didn't know at the beginning of the year was how would oil prices play out with the uh, with the stock market, right? Yeah. We knew that it was creating a drag on performance and it was affecting corporate profits. Some were winning because of low oil prices, others were really suffering because of it and an entire industry was suffering. And the, the fact that since the beginning of the year, oil prices have somewhat stabilized a little bit. And uh, I, I think the markets have started to digest a little bit better uh, what these, you know, overall lower energy prices are going to mean. I, I think it's removed oil prices as a storm cloud hanging over the, the markets at this point. Well said. Yeah. And I... I- I know we uh, jumped into oil here, but I want to go back to this whole Brexit thing. Yeah. I mean, what, is, what does that teach us? How is that instructive? What happened there? There's a vote. The market goes straight down. You could listen. So Dave Ramsey says, hey, listen, in a month, no one's going to be talking about this. There are other guys that are saying, hey, this is the beginning. There's going to be parity between the pound and the dollar. There's all of these things, all this chaos and, and tumult that is predicted. That, that hasn't come true. And the, a lot of the guys that get paid to talk about this stuff have predicted, you know, 15 of the past three crashes. Well, one of the headlines was, this will be the worst recession of your lifetime. Right after that happened, right? And it's only been a few weeks. We don't know yet, but the market certainly turned around. So what, so what Brexit means to you, if you're listening in Michigan, is it's not a bad thing to pay attention to current events and what things are happening. But you want to make sure you've got guiding principles that don't cause you to have knee-jerk reactions and responses with your investment portfolio when these things are going down. I completely See, agree. I thought you were going to take this down a political route here because, uh, you know, one of the angles that I've often read about related to Brexit is how th- there are parallels happening in Europe uh, similar to what's happening here in the U.S. about, you know, throw out the incumbents, get rid of the establishment, let's go for political outsiders and their ideas, let's shake up the system. And, you know, I I wonder how much of that could play out in this country and how it will relate to investors. That's one of the biggest questions that people have when they come in to see us, isn't it? What's the election going to do to my investments this year? Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we've just shifted from what's happened in 2016 to what might happen. So let's let's turn the tide there. Kevin, talk about the political landscape and what the election might mean. 
<laughs> and how you're going to vote. Yeah. How's that for yeah. a softball question? Well, listen, this is the thing that I, I will tell you. I am going to vote, and I spent uh, a good part of eight years of my life serving in the military, and I believe that we the, the, that the blood of our forefathers gave us a right to vote, so you have to vote, even if you have to plug your nose and vote. And I've I've great friends who said, "Oh, I'm not voting." I'm you know, and we have 350 million people. Are these the best two? Well, look, these are the two that we have, and um, I think there might be a f- few other ones. Um, some people might even write in Casey uh, for president. But look, these this is what we have. And of all of the failed systems, our system has lifted more people out of poverty than any other system in the world. And so we are blessed to live here in Disneyland, and we have it so good. And if you don't believe me, go to someplace like uh, Liberia or Guyana in South America or these other places where they don't have uh, democracy and freedom and call it a constitutional republic, whatever. But I think you have to vote. You absolutely have to vote. And I don't, I quite honestly don't care how you vote. I know how I'm going to vote. Um, I don't, it, to me, how you vote doesn't matter. But the question is, what's the most, to me, the question isn't who you're voting for. The question is, what are you going to do with your financial life? That's what I care about. Mm-hmm. And is November going to have an impact on it? Because I can tell you, I had some clients in 2012 that said, listen, if Barack Hussein Obama gets reelected, the world is going to H-E double hockey stick, and it's just, it'll, it'll be over. This will be over. He gets elected a second time, it's over. And what they said was, hey, what I want you to do is put a significant amount of my money in cash, because I want to be prepared for this awful thing that's coming. And the folks that actually did that missed out on a pretty amazing bounce in the stock market, and then it, depending on when they re-entered... They could have they could have left twenty five to fifty percent return on that money sitting on the table because they went to cash. Yeah. And the markets are ruled by fear, fear and greed. And I would encourage people to try to be ruled by guiding principles that by which you make decisions. But don't make decisions because you heard about the Brexit. Don't make decisions because you think the the political candidate that gets elected is the worst possible one. And you know, when when you go back, you can look at all kinds of statistics. I think the stock market does better uh, from a Democrat president than a Republican yep. president, and and it usually does pretty well in an election year. Yep. So, and you know, it, at least from my vantage point, I look and say, well, when I'm going to need my money, and for most of you listening, when you're going to need your money, is it? it, it are you going to need it in January of next year, right after the election? If you're not going to need this money for 20 or 30 years. Trying to play the election, play the odds, is very risky. Yeah, how many presidential elections are going to happen between now and that big financial goal of retirement or sending your kids to college or whatever? And uh, I I think it is important to recognize that the U.S. economy and our market system has survived a lot of great presidents and a lot of terrible ones, right? And, (laughs) you know, over the long haul... Don't bet against America, I guess, is just the, the message I would preach. Yeah. Regardless stuff. of who happens to be leading at the moment. So what else could influence the market the second half of the year? We've already talked about Brexit. I think the whole Eurozone thing could come back into focus. You know, if you look back, the entire recovery since the Great Recession, Europe has made some tremors, right? I mean, at, at early on, we had Greece 
And then right after that, we had Grease. And shortly after that, we had Grease. And just like <laughs> Clockwork, Grease came on the, the radar screen and it made a dent in the market all along while still recovering. And I think we could see that as headlines hit out of Europe about how their economy is going, what's happening with Brexit and so on. You know, yeah. it's amazing to look and see how much money is flowing out of Europe and coming to the United States for reinvestment here. And, you know, it's very possible that there are some great bargains being created outside the United States right now. At the very time that people are running away from these investments, they really should be gobbling them up. That's actually a great segue. In just a moment, we're going to be talking about what should you do about it, as well as more on what to expect the rest of the year. So coming up, uh, that and more here on Wise Money with Forhorn Financial Group, News Talk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name is Mike, joined with Josh and Kevin in the MNC studio. Quick thanks to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for partnering with us for the Wise Money Show. Today's show is all about investing, what's driving the stock market. No, we're not talking about Pokemon Go. You can tune into Casey's program to hear about that. We're talking about the market and all of that. Uh, we've talked about, I've, that's twice today I've, I've teased Casey, and he doesn't have a microphone. So, sorry, man. Can't even defend himself. We've taken away his voice. But we've, we've been talking about what has shaped the stock market thus far this year. What do we think will shape it the rest of this year? And we're just about to turn the attention to what you need to be doing about it. Well, and, and what you need to be doing about it, it's something, so we're looking at, at uh, interest rates right now, and we're talking about the Fed raising rates. We know that when that happens, it's kind of like poking the bear, and the the stock markets typically have some sort of uh, adverse, bizarre reaction that's not very predictable. All that, all that you know is that you're, it's likely that we're going to see volatility. But I think with the, the Fed in, increasing interest rates, and you look right now, Switzerland has negative interest rates. There are places that you can put your money that you have to pay to keep your money there. That is crazy. It is crazy. Bizarre world. It is very crazy, and it's our world. So you say, well, if the if the the ten year Treasury note is at one and a half percent right now, to have a healthy economy, that really needs to be at about five percent. And but as as we're trying to get back to that. The strength in the economy isn't there. So what does that mean to me today if I'm listening? I think one of the things that that it should mean is you need to look at what the fixed income side of your portfolio is doing and figure out a way that if if you're going to reach your goals, can you do it with the current fixed income and type of fixed income that you have? And fixed income being code for typically your bond investments, right? Yeah, it's it's instead of it being an investment, you're lending money. So you're lending money to the federal government, you're lending money to the bank, you're lending money to some type of an institution to get money back versus being an owner. So in the stock market, when I buy a stock, I'm an owner, I own a small piece of that company. You know, one of the effects that I've been uh, pointing out to folks about these differences in interest rates here in the U.S., which are crazy low, but at least they're positive, 
versus those other international economies where, as you said, Kevin, some of them have actually dipped negative, um, is it is creating that flood of dollars into the United States. It's helping actually keep our interest rates from rising uh, too rapidly. Uh, but it's also driving a lot of our stock market performance yeah. uh, this year. You know, yeah. the, the it's not that everybody is just thrilled to death and excited about the United States stock market. It's just that this is kind of the best game in town. It's the only place that really people have been making money. Clean, cleanest dirty shirt is yeah. the phrase that's mm-hmm. been picked around. That's right. Yeah. Huh. Okay, folks, so there's a reason why we named the show Wise Money instead of Smart Money. Actually, Smart Money's a phrase that's kicked around in the financial field. Uh, but smart means to have the right knowledge. Wise means applying that knowledge. And we're going to turn the discussion now to, with all the discussion about the investment world, the economic issues, what do you need to be applying? You know, I've said over and over that um, it's not just what is the action that you should be doing today, but what is the habit that you need to get into, the, the, the rhythm in your financial life. And one of the things that I'm often coaching clients to do is to not actually evaluate their investments too frequently. Mm. Um, you know, I, I actually only give myself two windows of opportunity throughout the year to um, actually make changes within my investments. And it's always in January and in July. And the, the you two like reasons, Jays, Josh, Jaden, Justin, All January, Jays. July. That's right. <laughs> you know, January Jandria. being the beginning. Did you just say Jandria? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That is my oh, nickname funny. for her, actually. That's funny. Um, you know, you've got me all flustered now, Kevin. No, you're doing great. All right. I don't even know what I was saying. Okay, though. so you're, you're on a roll. You, two, twice a year. Twice, twice a year. year. You, don't, you don't micromanage your portfolio. I haven't even touched my investments yet here in July, and the reason is, is because my financial plan isn't updated yet. And this is really important to create the context for how you reevaluate your investments. And at least... Uh, once or twice a year, I think it's important to rebuild the financial plan. You got to go back and say, hey, have my goals changed? How am I doing compared to where I should be relative to these goals? Because they all have implications on how you should be investing ultimately. Are you saving enough towards the goal? Are you taking the right amount of risk for this investment? Uh, Can you sleep with the amount of risk that you've actually been taking Mm. so far? Yeah. These are all questions that you need to evaluate in the context of your overall financial plan. And um, what would you say to the person who says, my financial plan, my financial goals can't stomach another roller coaster, can't stomach another drop. So just like Kevin shared earlier, depending on who wins this election, it's going to crash the economy. Put me in cash. Yeah. Because I can't st- my, I can't reach my goal going through another crash. What would you what would you say to that person? Well, I, I think, first of all, it is important that we pay attention to the emotions that someone experiences with their investments, because if you can't stomach the ups and downs that a moderate level of risk brings into, into your life when you're uh, looking at your investments, then maybe you're not invested appropriately, because if you panic during the dips and you jump out, then you're never going to be invested during the times when the recovery comes and you will lose out. We were actually just uh, looking at a study before the show today that compared how do all the different types of investments do compared to investors themselves. The average investor. That's right. Do you remember what the the, the less, average investor? Less than 2% a year. 
Yeah. Right. Right. Over, yeah. Or right around two percent, right just 2%. over maybe. But the, the average, point is, yeah, the average investor in a sixty forty mix mm. is is shy of two percent. Yeah. That's now over part of years. that is because we've had some relatively stagnant investment performance over the past couple of years in particular. But the point is, is that investors are often making these knee jerk reactions because of the emotions that you were just talking about, Mike. Well, so what I heard, Josh, is number one, you need one action item is you need to tune into your plan. If you if your plan requires that you stay invested or that hopefully over a long term, your average rate of return is say six, seven or some percent, you've got to have your investment structured to help you achieve that goal. But then you start touching on risk tolerance. Yeah, and well, and I was just listening to what Josh was saying, and you talk about the people that say, hey, listen, I cannot take this anymore. I, I met with a client at the kind of the, the, the bottom of the Brexit spasm, and she said, I am so thankful that we have an annuity. Because in an annuity, you, you, you for the most part, depending on the type and the structure, you have a guaranteed result. So you know what the result is going to be and you don't wonder. So if you came and you That's said- That's a word that we don't throw around very often too. The, the, a word. the G word. Well, oh, both of them. Yes, the A word and the G word. So we try to not, because when you say guaranteed, um, if you say it in one segment, people can hear, hey, that sounds like all of the investments uh, are affiliated with the G word and they're not. When you think about a guarantee, there's a couple different guarantees. That's the FDIC insurance, program that you might have a bank or a lending institution and then the guarantee that the the uh the standing of the insurance company would have that's where the guarantee uh idea would come from but i think if you're going to if you say i can't take it anymore i can't stand it i can't stand the volatility i need to reset my portfolio that i'm just going to go out on a limb and say that's not a bad thing but you have to reset your goals you have to look at your goals and say, what are the, what should I expect from my portfolio? What should I be able to do? And am I okay tightening my belt and reducing my uh, expectations for income throughout the rest of my life? Yeah, so you're basically saying that if you have this huge goal that just demands big growth from you, but you're really only willing to stomach some small, safe growth, Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got to change the change the goal because you're not going to reach uh, ultimately where you need to get to. And that's why I would say work with a pro. Go to a certified financial planner and tell them because it's likely that this is the only investment portfolio that you've ever had to manage. So go work with someone who manages hundreds of these portfolios and can give you great advice. You know, one of the other things that a professional should be able to help you with is evaluating the individual investments themselves. This is what you do during that window of time that I was referring to. Um, How do you decide whether or not one of your mutual funds, one of your investments needs to be replaced? You don't do it emotionally. You don't do it by comparing to the wrong benchmark. A professional can help you with that. Listener questions and more coming up. Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. 
Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Thank you for tuning in to the Wise Money radio program here. Wise Money with Corhorn Finance Group here on 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. My name's Mike. I've got Kevin and Josh in the studio with me. If you're just joining us, the entire show has been talking about investments, and investment planning is just one portion of someone's overall financial plan. But we're focusing on it today because we're halfway through the year. We have just talked about what drove the stock market, what we expect to drive the stock market, and we're just about done with what you should be doing about it. Then we've got some listener questions. Yeah, we were just trying to hit you with some action items, I guess, things that you can take away. And one of the first things that we shared was that you need to tune back into your financial plan. This is a financial planning show after all. And uh, our belief is that your investment decisions need to be made in the context of your overall financial plan, because that's it's those goals that you're you're pursuing. That's what drives ultimately how you should be investing. And it's your own risk tolerance, your own ability to stomach the ups and downs of the stock market or the bond market that is going to really influence how much risk you can afford to take emotionally. Yep. And uh, so reevaluating your risk, especially in a year like this one where we've seen a fair amount of volatility We've gotten a glimpse into it. You've been reminded now that the stock market does go up and down in value. Um, It's time to maybe take a step back and reevaluate risk. And there's one more that we need to hit before we turn turn to questions. Really, there's only two ways to invest. If you break it down, there's just two ways to invest. One is you invest in stocks and try to play the short-term business cycle, thinking that, you know what, I think this is going to go up, so I'll buy low, I'll sell high, and then I'll wait for it to go down and buy low again. That's one way. Some people have made money on that, but there's a lot of financial corpses along that path. The second way to invest is just to invest for the long term. Say, at my age today, I'm not going to need this money for 30 years or whatever your time frame is. You pick a mix of investments and you stick with it. That is that now people have been burned there too, but that's the more evidence-based approach to investing. That's the second way. That second way, of course, is what we believe in at KFG, and it's all centered around the principle of diversification. My favorite author on, diversi- on diversification is Robert Gibson, and he, he has this quote. So people ask him, does diversification work? He says, yes, but the real question is not if it works or not, it's if you will like it. Some, oh, that is good. Sometimes you will, sometimes you won't. Diversification, not having all your eggs in one basket, is founded on the principle that not everything's going to move in the same direction at the same time. That's how it's supposed to work. So many investors get it wrong because they start with a mix of investments and then periodically they look and say, this one's doing so bad. It's never going to do well again. I'm getting out of it. Well, and that's the temptation that many people might be facing right now because they're opening up their quarterly statements from their retirement plans and things, and they're going to cruise down through the list, see which ones were winners, which ones were losers. And the the risk is, is that they do the emotional thing and start dumping the dogs and buying the winners, which is exactly the opposite of what they should be doing. So I have a term for that too. That's called following the crowd, which Mm -hmm. is one of the most dangerous ways to live your life, probably the most dangerous way to invest. If you look back over the past 16 years, international investments have outperformed U.S. investments exactly half the time, 
Right now, for the past four years, U.S. investments have won. So people just want to dump their international. International does not look great, guys. I'm not going to lie to you. It doesn't look good. However, there was a time just 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, I believe, international outperformed the U.S. It goes in cycles. Diversification is sticking to that plan. Yeah, I think the mo- one of the most interesting things to me is there was a 13-year period from the year 2000 to the year 2013 where the S&P 500 didn't have over that. It, 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 if you had $10,000 in 2000, it took you until 2013 to be back to that number. Yep. So it takes 13 years to break even in investing in the S&P 500. Yep. 2013 was a good year for the S&P 500, and at the end of the year, what were clients begging for? Yeah. Hey, I just I just need more of this S&P 500. And an index that didn't make any money from 2000 to 2013 has a good year, and that's the flavor of the day. That's what everyone wants. And this is the reason why we talk about this stuff is because you may be able to find yourself in that story. I find myself in that story. You look and you say, man, that did so well. Why wasn't I more there? It's this, this incredible wave. And you think, oh, my, my, I should have my board in front of that wave. And then you tell yourself, yeah, and I really knew that was coming. Um, and so I really, and, and it, yeah. it doesn't work. So I would tell you, if you've been looking at your statements for the, and really the last couple of years, it's, we've been sailing into some pretty difficult headwinds. Most folks with a diversified portfolio haven't made a lot of money. And so I would tell you, now is the time to buckle down and stay the course because the folks that are able to do that are the ones that get rewarded. So, 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 so good seeds and you will reap a good harvest. So make sure you have diversification and don't abandon what hasn't done well. And just to correct myself, 03, 04, 05, 06, and 09 is when International Outperformed had its big run. So. Okay, uh, earlier this week we had a call come in from a loyal listener with some feedback about the show, actually, and we love feedback. Kevin says breakf- feedback is breakfast of champions, right? That's right. I've, uh, I don't have Bruce Jenner on that Wheaties box anymore. Okay, but- we're not going there. <laughs> <laughs> but she called in and, and had been listening to our series on financial regrets, and as if you were listening as well, I was asking, hey, what's on your list? What suggestions would you have? And she had one. She read an article about co-signing for a loan recently and how bad it is and suggested that should have been on that top 12 list. That's, that's a big one, absolutely. I, I wouldn't disagree with that, actually. Yeah, I'm not a, a licensed therapist or a counselor, but I've heard the term codependency. And what you, what you don't want, this is, this is what I try and encourage people to say. Tell your family, if you want money, go to the bank. Mm-hmm. And daddy is not the bank. So, yeah. Don't, don't, don't come to me. And really, the only way you would ever co-sign on a loan is if you wanted to own that house or that car or that go right on down the line. And we would, we would strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you to... That is a tool. It's a tool. It's a way to get something in your life that you couldn't get in any other way. So I, I go out to sign for a house. I can't get the house. I say, hey, Joshua, will you co-sign for me? And he says, yep, I'll co-sign for you. Boom, the house is in my life now. But they, we just kind of shackled Joshua and, and uh, put a burden on him that now he has to, every time he drives by the house, he has to worry, what, what's Kevin doing to the house? Is he trashing the house? If I get the house back, what's it going to look like? 
Yeah, that's good stuff. And, you know, folks, uh, in the studio with us today, actually one of Kevin's sons is joining us, listening in. He had the day free and is listening in. So as Kevin's sharing, hey, I'm not co-signing, you shouldn't either. Caleb, message received, my friend. Yes, <laughs> Caleb, if you want a co-signer, talk to Joshua or Casey or Mike, <laughs> but do not talk to me. Hey, we got to hit one more question here. Jeff from Wakarusa, he's age 44. Uh, and this is a great question, guys. Gosh, I, don't, I hope we have enough time to do it justice. I've been hearing sponsors of other shows talk about investments in gold to protect my family from an economic collapse that's apparently forthcoming. Do you guys agree with that advice, or are you going to tell me to take off my tinfoil hat and calm down? I love it, Jeff. Great question. <laughs> great question. And you do hear it all the time. You can't listen to talk radio which we support and love talk radio. You can't listen to it without hearing about gold and all of that. My, where I'd start, Jeff, is they were saying that four years ago, three years ago, right before gold has absolutely collapsed. If the stock market performed the way that the gold spot price has performed the past three years, everyone would be panicking right now. And yet the advertisements are no different. Hey, it's such a great investment. You should have it. Yeah, and, that's that, right. and, that, and that's what those are. Those are advertisements, and they are selling something. So you don't have a bunch of people walking around saying, hey, I feel this, this uh, gap in my life, and I think if I, my life would be complete if I had gold. But they're selling towards your fears, right? And the fears yes. haven't really changed. We talked earlier in the show about how this has been such a slow, mediocre economic recovery. Most people that you would talk to on the street would say, well, it kind of feels like the economy is just sort of limping along and it feels like we're, we're very vulnerable to another collapse of some kind. You throw into that a politically charged environment as well where people start fearing, well, what if that candidate gets in? Is that going to spark the collapse of America as we know it? And, you know, there's just there's so many gold sales folks out there that uh, are, are trying to play on those fears. And I think you just... The fact that it's an emotional play, Jeff, that is your answer right there. Stay stay clear of the gold. If you missed anything, check out wisemoneyradio.com or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Guys, for Josh, Kevin, myself, and the rest of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on 95.3 MNC. Securities are offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America, Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.